Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome, everybody, to our group call this beautiful Sunday, the uh, first day of the week, not the seventh, not the Sabbath. So I'd like to keep that in the back of everybody's mind. Now, there is some information I want to go over this evening, and um, I could have easily done an hour-long call on this. I'm going to do my best to break it down as short and sweet as possible. Um, hopefully under 20 minutes, all right? And that some of this info is going to be things that people in America have been waiting for and looking for for a long time. You know, various disclosure, everybody wants disclosure, da-da-da. Um, some of it is 55 years old. Um, but it also ties into... Disclosure that people have wanted uh, even prior to 55 years ago. And, but I, I, I do want to identify first everybody taking care of their own pathway. It's one of the things we were talking about prior to starting the recording was, you know, whether you go after these officials for not doing their duty as a public servant or, per se, upholding the Constitution, da da da. That's me. I've always kind of felt after really getting in, learning things, that that's kind of a ridiculous position to be in. Um, to me, it would have been like, you know, if you're in Target or Walmart and you see an employee do something wrong. I mean, I, I was actually at one of those stores yesterday. And I saw an employee sitting like kind of around the corner behind some boxes and they had their head down. I just kind of picked over to see what they were doing. They're on their cell phone. Uh, I don't know if they're on Facebook or if they were, you know, messaging a loved one or uh, their newest fling or what the situation was. But I, I kind of thought to myself, you know, oh, gee, you know, I, if I'm one of these people that, oh, everybody's got to do this, everybody's got to do that, you got to follow the rules, uh, does that mean I'm supposed to run and find a manager and tattle on them? And, you know, and that's exactly what's happening, I think, especially if you've not received any life or death injuries to yourself. You know, people want to go after officials because they feel they've, they've harmed them, they've been harassed by them, this or that, or wrongly given a ticket, whatever the case may be. You know, it, it's me trying to go after them, go after their bond, things like that. That would have been very similar to that situation that I was in yesterday, where I saw this employee kind of hiding, you know, sitting there playing on their phone. Because that's a whole separate corporation in itself as well. Uh, just as the U.S., we know, is a totally separate corporation. And uh, in one way or another, we're, we're kind of looked at as enemies of the state. I mean, I, I think one of the many ways that we're looked at as enemy of the state is 
you know, normally every, every spring people check off that box or put their signature on that line for the taxes that said that under penalty of perjury that they swear affirm that they're a U.S. citizen. Well, hold on a minute. You just jumped over somebody there. Because what, what about the allegiance to the state that you live on? What, what about the people that you live around? What about your county? All of a sudden you're going and you're pledging that your allegiance is being given to a whole separate corporation that is going and fighting down against the state all the time. If people can identify things when they read them or hear them in the news, you automatically see this, that the states are in the same position that the people are in. Um, the people feel like they're being unduly pushed into doing things that they don't agree with or sponsoring an organization <laughs> like the U.S. that they don't agree with. And that, that same thing like this is happening with the states. And you see that, say, for instance, with like the sanctuary cities. I'm not going to say one way or another whether how I believe or don't believe regarding them bringing in people that are undocumented into their cities. What I will say is that that is a right of the state. That is a right of the state. Now, if that state is going to operate in the capacity as being a franchise of the U.S., well, I guess well, now they, they forfeited that right. And that's why you see the federal government come back and say, fine, if you are going to have you know, your city as a sanctuary city, then we're not going to give you any funding. And that's one of the things that most people are afraid of, I think, I see it the most with people when you talk about them um, stating their position, correcting the incorrect presumption that U.S. Inc. has made and the judiciary has made regarding their power and influence over you as one of their subjects. Because they turn and say, well, what about my Social Security, all the money I've paid in? I'm going to look. You know what? I think Scripture said, Give up everything, follow me, something like that, you know. We have a hard time giving up anything. We want to cling to everything. Uh, people by nature seem to be greedy. They want to grab and absorb as much stuff as they can. That the whole kind of mind, mind, mind thought set. And that's what we have to get over. I mean, and that's really closely tied into the ego. That's your ego running. Um, like I said before, your ego is your number one attorney. It's always trying to find another party that's guilty, you know, other than yourself. But anyway, I don't want to get away from uh main topic for this evening. But, you know, and, but that's why I push, you know, getting the authentication of the birth certificate, uh, which has nothing to do with you. It has to do with your legal entity. And it's about taking back control and possession of the legal entity and then being able to stand on it after you've done that. Um, doing a DBA, you know, doing business as. You know, I, I was looking at a situation somebody was in a couple weeks ago, and it was over a uh, debt problem in court. And they had evidently looked at some of the right info because when they went to court, they just really had one question. Uh, they said to the judge, you know, I looked up this other party and they don't seem to be registered to do business here. 
they're actually organized from another state. And isn't court just all business? And the judge kind of looked over at their signs and any answer to that? And they gave up their case, walked away. And it, so to me, that's very important. You have to have standing, you have to have position with where you're at. Uh, and that even goes into protecting your position even with a PMA, Private Membership Association, like I've talked about. Um, I remember here in Florida, here's a few years ago, they were going to make uh, smoking illegal in all restaurants, anywhere for, where food was sold or where food was the primary income of the business that there couldn't be smoking there. And I remember uh, the Moose Lodges uh, kind of standing up and saying, uh, excuse me, hello, because they make a lot of money off food. They've got their dinners they do and stuff like that. They also have their bar in there. And uh, they said, uh, yeah, excuse me, but that regulation, you guys can't really control us over that. So because, the reason why is because they're a private membership association. And the people that go in and join them agree to follow those rules and regulations of that membership. And that's really the same thing that you're finding. You can look up Judges Association, Courts Association, um, your County Board of Administrators Association. They're all separate associations. And that's exactly what they've used, which I, I believe is um, the 5th and 14th Amendment, um, or, or the 11th, rather, the, the ability to have an association which steps them outside of the Constitution. They're under a whole new set of rules and regulations. And that's exactly what people do when they get a driver's license. You forfeit all the stuff from the Constitution, and you agree to follow the rules and regulations of this other association, which the Supreme Court has ruled is totally okay to do, as long as there's no nefarious crime being enacted there. Um, so, and then also um, taking care of your voter status, like I've explained before. Uh, every society is really built on two pillars. It's the pillars of the judge and the pillars of the priest, you know. It's, it's the pillar of your legislative people and the church people. And they consider court church. That's their church. That's what statism is all about. Statism is a belief in your state as being a higher power. And too many people follow that. They, they get away from their creator. They've totally usurped or taken away the creator's position in this world and kind of placed their butt on that seat of the most holy, which is ridiculous. And it's all about creating your own ID, where on your ID can be supplemental information in regards to other things that you've done. But, and those are just some little things right there that I keep getting asked about. Should I do this? Should I do that? It's like, okay, well, here's some of the things right there that I've done and found success from. So for the general people, go back and listen to this or on this now. That kind of answers those questions for you there. But I've been looking at something interesting the, the past, well, actually, it goes way back, but it's really come more to light recently 
with the passing of Anthony Bourdain. And I thought, okay. I said, let me give it a day or two, go online, see what kind of stuff people are posting and what they're talking about as far as behind-the-scenes things with him. See if anybody has figured this out yet or not. <laughs> and uh, I haven't found anybody that has. I have found one or two people that have mentioned it, but I could tell the light bulb hadn't come on for him yet. Because if the light bulb had come on for him, it would have answered a few other questions. And, uh, you know, I, I really believe that Anthony Bourdain was in a situation where because of the people he was surrounded by, because of the family that he came from, everybody knows that, you know, he did his food show and everything like that. I really liked it. I, 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 it was one of the shows I would watch back when I watched TV. But uh, his mother was an editor for a big um, firm or paper in New York. Uh, his father was high up in music. He worked for CBS in music for quite a while. So he was exposed to some things and saw some things that majority of people don't see or don't have exposure to or don't recognize. And, and I believe a lot of it, he probably didn't recognize it growing up as well. But that's kind of a fast forward position. Um, so to, to digress on this a little bit, we need to go back and look at the origin of United States. And we know everything was said that um, there's one nation under God, and that's printed on the bills, although they don't tell you what God. God is a generic word. So, oh, no, it's capitalized. That means the God. Okay, good. Well, the Buddhists have the God also. Um, the Muslims have the God also. Well, the Catholics have their God also. But it's not the God. It's just a God. It's the God of the people, the people who are here. Okay, so we we also know that these founding, I called the founding fathers, not my father, but the uh, majority of them were um, part of some of the secret societies, the secret societies that JFK even talked about. He was trying to bring to light to people. Um, and the majority of them were all Masons, and the Masons have their own God their own way of thinking. And the majority of them don't find out, I believe, until after, somewhere after the 31st, 32nd degree is really when they find out what the God is that they're following. Um, you know, find out what the God is that they're following, just go listen to the music that is sung at Easter in the Vatican. They tell you what God they're following. And uh, their songs actually come right out and say Lucifer, you know, which is really nothing but a title. It's not a entity. Um, the scripture refers to Lucifer maybe twice. I know of definitely once. But when you really go and dig apart that scripture, you find out that it's not really talking about a specific entity. 
And it's, it's not the entity that you think it is. It's really referring to a fallen king. Okay. And I believe it was a king of uh, Babylon or somewhere in that region. Nebuchadnezzar might have been the one it was referring to. But, and you go and you decipher the word Lucifer, and, you know, like I said, you find it's only a title. Uh, Lu means, when you go into etymology, Lu means a lie. And the word cipher, we should all know what that means. Cipher means a code or words. So it's a lie of words. And I think a lot of us have been following a lie of words for quite a while. But the, the Masons and these secret organizations, it didn't just sprout up overnight. Um, Masons came about, I believe it was in 1717 in England when their first Grand Lodge was originated. And all it really was was an organization of people who were thinking the same way. And a lot of this goes back to uh, theosophical societies that have existed for a long time, very long time, since the beginning of man, as a matter of fact. You go back even into... um, the Egyptian writings, and look at things that were being talked about there, and it was really all theosophical thinking and trying to figure out who is God, what is God, and then they started moving into being able to connect with God. And I've got it on pretty good, pretty good info that. What's being followed right now really isn't the true God. It's not really the true creator of all, which is actually who uh, was referenced quite a bit in those theosophical writings, was the creator of all. Didn't really have a name. And that creator of all was in everything, around everything, and a part of everything. Um, in the uh, secret book of Thomas that was admitted into the Bible, uh, that's what uh, the Christ even said. That's where God was at. And through these theosophical studies and writings, you you look at some of the things that they're really getting interested in. And there's one thing that runs predominant all through them. And that is one of the things that interests even children today. Flying saucers. That's what they were interested in. Objects that fly. Um, and what you could do with them. And I believe some of them back in the Egyptian times saw these objects and didn't really even know what they were. Some of them considered maybe they were gods or things like that. You look at the Egyptian hieroglyphs. Uh, there's hieroglyphs. I posted one the other day. It's a helicopter. Plans day can't be deciphered into anything else or misconstrued. It's a freaking helicopter. And they've got other things that look like submarines or things that look like blimps. I mean, they've got those in their stone carvings. So these were things that people were experiencing a very long time ago. And so these were the things that these uh, theosophical societies were looking at as well. And because we're always trying to find out what's out there kind of idea, you know. And the more you research those things and you, and you look at the basic religions, we've got really three main religions now, uh, Christianity, 
uh, Judaism, and Islam. And you look at their origins, and those, those origins are all sprouting out of India. They all find their origins there. You go back and, and read any of the Buddhist writings, you're going to find stuff in there that's almost word for word with scripture. So everything has an origin. It's not, not brand new. It had to come from someplace. That's where so much of this came from. And these theosophical societies, a lot of them quieted down. I think it was in the mid to late 1800s they started quieting down a little bit. But I think the reason why they were quieting down is because what they were really doing is they were just moving. It was a transgression. And there's so much info behind all of this that it could be put into, I mean, this doesn't scratch the surface. It could be put into 100 plus hours. Just really trying to hit some main points on it. And the direction that a lot of them moved into were into the religions. Um, A lot of people know that there's information that the Vatican has that they don't release. People know that they've got miles and miles, well over 50 miles of tunnels under the Vatican, full of artifacts and different writings and things like that. So they've got serious theosophical information that is not released, okay? And they moved into, well, I... I would say I, I believe that the Catholic Church has found a way to move into a lot of the Christian churches as well, whether it's Baptist, Methodist, whatever you want to call it. The Catholic colleges graduate, on average, over 30,000 potential priests a year. Where do you think all those guys are going? We know the Catholic Church isn't going that fast. Those guys are going and they're infiltrating the other churches. Uh, they're going and they're sitting on. Uh, county boards of commissioners, different things like that that affect your daily life. Um, whether you are a church-going person or whether you're not a church-going person, you are getting that influence on you. If to stay on the topic with the uh, flying machines, as you see a lot of stuff referenced from India, um, But we know that just before 9-11, Rumsfeld came out and said that there was, you know, $4 trillion, whatever, missing from the budget. And all of a sudden, next day, 9-11 happens. We never hear anything about it. And the office that would have been investigating that from the Pentagon happened to be the office that was hit on 9-11. Go figure. At 9/11, Rumsfeld is a very interesting character because this guy... He happens to be probably one of the youngest and, at the same time, oldest secretaries of defense that the U.S. has had. Um, he served under Bush, and he also served under Nixon as secretary of defense. He held that position two times. And, you know, he was really supposed to become president, I mean, uh, become vice president uh, with Reagan. That's what was lined up, and whoever it was told Reagan that, Towards the end, no, you're going to pick Bush. And Rumsfeld kind of threw his hands up and was like, what? You know, but, um, and then, it, and he was behind the whole aspartame movement. 
people remember aspartame, and when people start finding out they have cancer, da, da, da. they subsequently changed their name. But that was at the time where aspartame started getting pushed into all these products. So he was going to be making a bundle of money there. So I was like, okay, I didn't become vice president, but I'm, okay, I'm making a bunch of money. Big deal. Um, and so many of these presidents, whether, you know, you go Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, it, a lot of them have said that they were going to come out, they're going to divulge all the UFO information, everybody, things like that. And they've not done that. Um, but there are papers that have been written where presumably that info will be divulged at. Um, Lyndon Johnson has his papers. I believe it's called uh, the X letter or something like that. And you do see the X technography in a lot of things. Uh, there's the show the X files. And yet you're seeing the X be used in all sorts of stuff. And it's kind of like going right in front of everybody's face, and they don't. They see it, but they don't tie it into what it's really all about. Um, and I, I don't know if that info will come out at some point. I, I, Lyndon Johnson's letter is supposed to come out, I believe it's 50 years after death, which is going to be about five years from now. Actually, this month, June, June, five years from now, will be 50 years. So... Uh, that'll be very interesting to find out. <clears throat> but, you know, I brought up Bourdain earlier. And so let me see if I can wrap this into a package here quickly and, and open up for people to chit chat. Um, one of the other things that Kennedy was going to bring down, I mean, we know he talked about secret societies and how it was repugnant, but he also said that, you know, he wanted to. Essentially, dismantle the CIA and scatter it to the four winds. And the CIA was created by Truman. Um, but I think he realized shortly after the creation of them that it was kind of a mistake. Another one of the things that he got pushed into, you know, that an afterthought kind of told him that, eh, maybe it wasn't the smartest idea. Um, but they've been in a position, I believe, since they are really uncontrolled, uh, they're in a position where they get to be a protection force for something. And that protection force, I believe, is for the movement, for these theosophical societies. And those societies never really went away. Like I said, they moved into the Masons. Some of those same people, whether they're Masons or just part of the society, they moved into being parts of universities, um, primarily the Ivy League universities. I was The other day I was on uh, Department of State website. And after their main things they list at the top, they started listing, you know, who they work in conjunction with. And the first thing they had listed there was Georgetown University. And I'm like, wow, is that like not right in your face? And I remember from times watching the news and sometimes you're on the radio on news segments, they'll say, well, you know, 
according to a report from Yale or according to a report from Georgetown or whatever. So that these guys are kind of running things from those positions of power. Uh, and to me, that is really kind of what the shadow government is. It, it, you've got the deep state and then you've got, you know, your shadow government. And the, these are people that you don't see, you don't vote for. But they have profound effect on what's going on behind the scenes. And some of it does affect your life, some of it doesn't. Um, but those were movements that too many people ponder those same exact thoughts, have those same concerns, have those same types of things I like to research right down at, at the core and baseline of people. Um, I think a lot of people know Madame Lovatsky. Uh, I believe one of the reasons why I, some of the organizations for women like the Eastern Star and different things came about were because of her push uh, to come here and want to join the Theosophical Societies here, uh, which they didn't allow, and they did some other things that kind of thwarted her method in being able to, to join. But I think that was probably why they started some of the female groups, because these guys really were, I mean, they thought they had all power laid in men, period. And they had no respect for women. Uh, which is a huge mistake. Uh, you're missing out on the other half of your brain there when you do that. But a lot of the funding, like we always hear, you know, follow the money. And that's exactly what you have to do is follow the money. You look at the money that's missing and you look at money that's gone into things like SpaceX and some of these secret programs. And you find where that money went to. It's really kind of their plan's day. You just look and see what they're doing and kind of ballpark what it costs and if it lines up directly. And those were the things that Kennedy wanted to get rid of. And the CIA was there to uh, to protect those organizations from being stopped or their forward momentum from forward momentum from being thwarted. And so it was really about the space programs. And when you look at these space programs, one of the scriptures that comes back to my mind, it, I know it's a popular scripture, but it says, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against um, evil powers in high places, or however it goes. Well, that's what it is. Those powers in high places aren't the people sitting in the offices that we see here today. Those powers in high places is the spiritual realm. And like I said before, you know, when you get into studying law and start researching and looking at code statutes, how the U.S. was formed, how different agencies, organizations were put together, who founded them, da da da. If you don't lead your mind into spirituality at the same time, you're never going to be able to figure it out. Because everything they've done, they've done and based it on spirituality and spiritual rules and laws. And there are spiritual entities out there that these organizations, these countries are following. Some of them good, some of them not so good. And the same thing comes down to our personal lives as well. 
And this was a path of things that I think Bourdain was starting to learn. And light bulbs were coming on to him as to what had really been happening. And he had been hanging out. Um, and, well, he had been for quite a while, but I think he had a relationship that was really starting to get tighter and stronger with Elon Musk. And Elon Musk runs the space program. And Bourdain was in a position where he could talk. And I think he was a little bit pissed. And uh, that position of being able to speak, I think, was thwarted by the powers that be. Because they've got to protect themselves. They've got to protect these spirits, these entities that they're following. And I, I really feel that what happened to him goes hand in hand with what happened to John F. Kennedy. It goes hand in hand with what happened to um, his brother Robert as well. Because Robert had knew the same things that his brother did. But I think he... I think his ambition level was a lot higher, a lot higher. And he was going to be much more severe and uh, ruthful in what he did. And they couldn't allow that to happen. And so that was the result of uh, Robert's passing away. <clears throat> Which, you know, I would say everybody needs to pay attention and keep a close eye on um, his son right now. Um, Robert Kennedy Jr. is calling for a new investigation into his father's death. Um, I heard something actually on the news today. It really shocked me. It was brought up, and he said, yeah, one of the things that he's concerned about is that they've now found 13 different markings from bullets, but um, the gun only held like eight bullets. So it's like, ooh, that, that's kind of a felt the old sign right there as well. Funny that, you know, gosh, if Sirhan Sirhan only had eight bullets in his gun, you know, how how was there 13 shots fired? But so anyway, yeah, keep an eye on that situation and uh, with Robert Jr., see if anything happens to him. See what happens to that investigation because I think that will be kind of a tell-all. Anyway, with that being said, let me open up the lines here. I can jump over to the board. All right. All right, the board's unmuted. Anybody wants to talk, Q&A, whatever. a lot of silence but for the chat there's any comments Mark I see you're still here I'm still here <laughs> yeah, and that might have been a, kind of a big download of stuff for people to think about I don't know I mean, that's why people are quiet oh yeah I 
I had a laugh the other day. I was cruising down the road, and I was listening to a lecture somebody was giving, and they were saying things that directly lined up with what I've been following and researching on this topic. And uh, I, I got kind of annoyed because this big box truck had pulled up next to me on the highway, and he was kind of staying right there in my blind spot the whole time. You know what I mean? You know you feel when people do that? It's like, are you going to pass me? What? You know, either get behind me, get in front of me, do something. And so I slowed down so that vehicle would just get past, you know, because I didn't want anything to happen. I have to change lanes quickly and cause an accident or whatever. And uh, this truck was, I think it was a moving company or something. And the company was called Next Option. And the X was, was prominent. It took up like the whole sign. And I thought, you know, how coincidental is that, that I'm thinking and trying to find the same info, and here's a big truck with an X on it right next to me. And like I said, you know, so much can be followed when you just follow the money trail. We've always been told to follow the money. Well, guess what? Follow the money. But it'll take you exactly to the truth of the matter. Because that's the vanity of man. That's one thing that they are in search of and want to grab, steal, hoard, whatever. And at the same time, I was going to say, talking about money, some info that's come from a uh, pastor by the name of Tim Bentz, who really, really interesting stuff from when he went and uh, went to Jekyll Island. And everybody's like, yeah, most people don't know that that's where the Federal Reserve was really created at, uh, in Rockefeller's house on Jekyll Island. But it, the story goes deeper than that because the parlor where they designed the Federal Reserve app sat over an altar of the Indian tribe that had lived there. And the Indian tribe had practiced human sacrifice, actually child sacrifice. When you look at child sacrifice, that goes right back to Moloch and to the things that the Israelites were warned against because the Israelites were following Moloch and they were sacrificing children to Moloch. But one of the reasons why they're called pigs, and also it's kind of a backstory to that, is that a lot of the Israelites... You know, they love their babies. They don't want to sacrifice them. So they would go and they would put a baby pig in a bunch of cloth and take that and put it into the Moloch burning furnace. And it would make noises like a baby or whatever when it was thrown in. And they would do that. That way they could still have their children and and uh, not be putting the child into a horrible death. I found that was really kind of curious with the correlation between them being referred to as pigs. But that should also make people kind of think twice about that money you're carrying in your pocket. Because all that stuff, just human sacrifice, child sacrifice, that's all devil worship BS. That's witchcraft stuff. And... So are all these dollars just tokens to this God that was created over this altar? 
um, it's kind of interesting that you bring it up. Uh, the, I mean, I, I've not done a deep study into satanic ritual abuse, uh, but from what I have read and understand, uh, the child sacrifice, the eat, the drinking of victims' blood, and doing that, and supposedly in their belief system, uh, gives them life energy or something like that. Um, I find it interesting that um, there's been a lot of um, exposure with Hillary Clinton um, being uh, allegedly tied to some of that stuff. Um, But uh, I came across some information uh, probably several months ago that was kind of disconcerting. And there is... um, had to do with Boys Town over in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Have you? Uh, I see. If you're, have you ever been to Omaha? No, I haven't. But I'm very familiar with what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And somehow they, uh, there was. Uh, I think it was Don King was involved with uh, transporting these kids up to Washington D.C., where politicians uh, were supposedly getting involved with that. Yeah, that was the Franklin. That was the Franklin cover-up thing. Uh, it was going on during the Reagan era, and the one boy even talks about going into the White House several times while Reagan was in office. Only he went in at like midnight, one, two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, you know, it's like uh, one of the you know you, you kind of put a spiritual tone on some of the information that you uh, put out, and I have, you know, trafficked and you know. I told you earlier in the unrecorded part uh, about me having started to study law and everything, and some of the information I come across is bizarre. And um, but uh, it, it kind of got my attention. There was uh, something connected with that particular Boys Town cover-up, and some network of child pedophilia. But uh, they actually caught a van in Tallahassee, which was where I was living for several years probably about 20 or 30 years. So um, that was kind of eye-opening. <laughs> so, um, but it, it all connects together. And from a spiritual perspective, um, I, I believe that everything that's out here is a very carefully constructed reality to take us away from the one true God. And um, I mean, and, and that's why we, we're beginning to see some of these things get out. I mean, I firmly believe that uh, that eventually, I mean, if we knew everything that was going on, we would probably totally freak out, right? So, but I, you no, know, I honestly... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, they've gotten rid of, say, the Ten Commandments and, you know, prayer in schools, all, all those things like that. And, you know, if people want to be atheists, the state has absolutely no problem with you being atheist. They'd prefer that you be atheist if you want to. And if you don't want to believe in God, that's fine. Because guess what? They do believe in God. They do know the spiritual things that are going on out there. Oh, yeah. And, well, and they're, use, they're using those same exact principles against you. Uh, if you go back three or four calls ago, I mean, I was looking at... Um, 
the cre- the creation of the U.S. and the code statutes, da da da, and specifically United States Code USC. And you go to USC one, read USC one, and set that right next to the first and second chapter of Genesis, and tell me if it doesn't line up. The United States used the same exact code that the Creator used to set up jurisdiction and dominion and the creation of everything here on Earth. They use the same thing for the creation of this company here on America. Yeah, so it's like, and then you go back, and um, I know that, um, you know, my son posed a question to me, and I didn't know how to answer it. He said, Dad, do you think the United States is actually Babylon? And, you know, um, knowing what I, you know, if I had, if they'd asked me before I'd come across some information, I would have said, oh, flat, no, that's, you know, whatever. But Washington, D.C., form, I mean, it was planned out by a Freemason. George Washington was a Freemason. I think Benjamin Franklin, all these guys. And, you know, when you find out their background, what happened, and then all of these, the writings on the uh, on the $1 bill, you know, with the all-seeing eye on the back, and the purpose in them and all this other stuff, um, you have to wonder. I mean, the Patriots, you know, would always say, you know, it was God that put us here. I'm like, but when you hit the Southern information, you bring into consideration, it's like, wow. Um, was this really ordained by God, or was this really the experiment of men or something, and it was actually pre-planned, the way we're told? And you'll have to, you know, have to, part of me has to... I, I, believe that God had something to do with it, right? Or it wouldn't have happened. But it's very, when you start putting together all this information, it uh, kind of makes you step back and think, wow, this is all greater than me. And um, I think that, it, it, I know for me, it caused me to focus more on doing what I could do, and that was trying to uh, live a better life. Forgot, right? So, I don't know. It's kind of, uh, we're touching on a lot of stuff, I guess. But, well, no, you're right. You're right. Everything that that happens around us um, starts from the inner workings of individuals. And it comes out of their heart and their soul, and it becomes, their thoughts become manifested into whether it's a movement, a business, whatever the case may be, an organization, okay? So, yeah, everything starts from within. Uh, Nothing just magically appears. It has to have a source, and that source is originally within us. And so we kind of want to be careful of what source we're following, you know what I mean? Because that's the source that's going to manifest events and things around us. And I want to touch on that Babylon thing. You know, and and this is something that I've thought for a long time, or since I was a little kid, because I, mean, I, I didn't ever go to a public school. I went to a church school my whole life. And 
but that also caused me to say, wait a minute, I don't want to accept something that's been forced on me. I want to go and study Buddhism. I want to study some of these other religions. Let me look at Catholicism. Let me see what's going on in the other man-made religions around me, <clears throat> which quickly made me say, you know, I don't want to be religious. I'd just rather be the spiritual being I'm supposed to be. But so many generations have always thought, oh, well, these are the end times. We're living in the end times, you know. Uh, go back to the time when, you know, Rome was burned. Or those people thought, we're living in the end times. These are the end times, you know. Uh, same thing with the multiple wars that have happened through history. Or, um, say, with Hitler and what was happening at that time. Oh, these are the end times. Here's our Antichrist. That's Antichrist. He's going to do this and that. I mean, because Hitler actually caused Germany to greatly prosper. They had been a, a, a huge um, deficit for a while in their economy. And first thing he did is he kicked out the international banks, started their own independent banks, and they started flourishing. Gee, imagine that. No wonder they would want to get rid of him. Painting on a bad light. You know, but people thought at that time that those were the end times, you know. Um, there, there was things happening, I believe, around Vietnam. It's all oh, major war. Yeah, we're gonna, these are signs of the end times. And the same thing's going on today with uh, the war against terrorism. And the U.S. is fighting these battles, trying to force democracy down the throats of all these people that had their own systems running already, instituted by themselves, didn't need anybody from the outside coming in, just because they didn't have their system based on international banking policy. But there is also scripture that says that in the end times that Babylon is going to be a great and flourishing um, country, whatever. And so a lot of people point, oh, all of the signs that talks about it looks at, makes it look like New York City, Statue of Liberty is there, da da da. You know. um, I, I stumbled across something a while ago. It's a area that's being built. The plans are already drawn up. You should see them. It's amazing. And it's called, uh, I believe it's called uh, Neom. And the first part is Neo, which is new. Right? And um, it's in the area of the Middle East, uh, I think mostly around Saudi Arabia. And in their plans, you can go online and read their plans and everything and read the different countries that are participating. Uh, Israel's one of them, Iraq, Iran, all these countries over there are participants in this. And their plan and what they've got drawn up and how they're going to have the infrastructure set up, it's like, oh, my God, this city looks like freaking heaven on earth. It's incredible. And all of those countries that are supposed to be fighting each other, so we're told over there, really behind the scenes are working together to try and institute this new civilization. Um, you could probably just put in NEOM, N-E-O-M, into your search me engine and find information on it. I don't know if you've seen that or not. No, I haven't. Or maybe I have. Now, you would know if you'd seen it, believe me. You would know. Because light bulbs would have started going off in your head. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like uh, 
But yes, uh, from a, that spiritual question that he uh, posed, it was uh, kind of frightening because, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, when you go back to Protestant, you know, pastors, I'm talking about like David Jeremiah and uh, and some of the traditional teachings about what Babylon is. They talked about it was a system of thinking, and uh, they actually tied Rome to the seven hills, but then. I've heard that uh, there's another other places that could possibly be that too. Uh, it's a guy named Joel Richardson that believes that uh, Babylon is actually Saudi Arabia, or one of those places over there in the Middle East. So I don't know. I, it's just lots of information out there, and you have to pray for spiritual discernment about it. But um, one of the things that he asked me about was uh, the you know. Uh, I believe it's Revelation chapter 17 or 18 talked about, uh, you know, Babel uh, uh, where slaves were bought and sold. And it brought to mind the birth certificates. And you had mentioned something earlier on about authenticating the birth certificate. And I actually did that. And, uh, but, um, but knowing what I know about the things, and you know, this is, I mean, it's its evil in its intent and how they use it to enslave uh, everybody. Um, but it seemed to fit uh, some of the things. So uh, how do you come out? I know um, there's been several other, uh, I think, folks that have different calls that talk about coming out of Babylon the different things that you have to do so um, I don't know, so it was just kind of interesting I thought I'd throw that out there and see what you had to say about it and you did, so I appreciate that well, that went around in my mind I don't want to say for a long time because I quickly settled on how you take care of that but yep. when um, the, pil- the pilgrims came here from Norway not England, when they came here from the Netherlands, all right? Um, they're originally in England, went there for like 15 years or so, and then came here. But when when they came here, and the situations around the Revolutionary War, which really was the first bankruptcy of uh, the United States, um, what did the United States draw up to get away from England? Okay, wait a minute now. <laughs> um, what what document did the founders create? I'm trying to think what it's called, actually. <laughs> so, uh, Dec- Declaration of Independence. Well, I mean, I, I was one of yeah. I mean, I knew that one, but I mean, I was uh, there was one before that, that preceded that, that I guess it was based upon. That was That's the Mayflower Compact. Yeah, Mayflower Compact came. That was the first thing they did, they wrote up, and that the Mayflower Compact, actually, what that was is that established essentially their private membership association, their PMA, and that said who they were and how we are going to relate with each other and how we're going to you know take care of our community. And that's what that was all about, and. Uh, it really amazes me when I went and uh, 
read the Mayfar Compact, I'm like, gosh, you know, I kind of remember hearing about that in school, but not that much. Not as much as you heard Constitution and all that. You know what I mean? Right, right. But so what they did to separate themselves or in an attempt to separate themselves, which uh, the Treaty of Paris quickly put them right back into bed with uh, France and England. But anyway, but what they did is they did a declaration. And a declaration is something that is done by the living man. And so that's actually what I did. I did my own declaration and sent it to the people who thought they were the powers that be over me. And in that, one of my exhibits was the authenticated uh, certificate of life birth. Uh, you go into, uh, tw- I think it's 28 U.S.C. 1733, it tells you there that when it's authenticated, it is viewed upon as being the original. And I thought, after I read that, I thought, okay. And I compared that to, like, the certificate of title in the car. I thought, okay, who can sell the car? The guy with a photocopy of it or the guy with the original? So through authentication, you are holding what they view as being the original title to that fictional entity they created. Good. If I'm holding title to that fictional entity that they created, that means I can do whatever I want with that entity. And if I want, I can move it out of their house. Now, have you seen any effect legally? I mean, do they blow right past it if they're trying to do I mean, I don't know if you have, but, you know, it's like, it seems like the, where the water would meet the road is if they try to try to get you a contract with them through something, you know, uh, try, to, try to test you on it. Well, it sounds perfectly legitimate to me. Matter of fact, the language of the Declaration of Independence talks about, you know, when uh, when a government uh, becomes, um, I forget the exact language, but um, no, I know, I know what you're saying, and that's printed right on the face of the brand new hundred dollar bill. Anybody pulls out a magnifying glass and reads those words on the right hand side of the face of the hundred dollar bill, that's exactly the the paragraph that they put there out of the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. And you, do you include a $100 bill in your uh, in your process? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, it's fascinating. So, I, I, you know, I just... Um, it seems to well, be a very... Go ahead. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to step on you. No, you, you asked about seeing any effect or anything like that. And I, I think that's one of the things that so many people, they do stuff and they sit back and wait. And it's like, no, it's, nobody's going to come knock on your door and say, oh, you did it and put a ribbon around your neck or, you know, that, that kind of stuff. it's not going to happen. But it, you will start seeing it in other interactions. And, uh, Unfortunately, I was in a um, relationship situation where I was able to experience some interactions because I had somebody with me that was uh, kind of possessed by the wrong powers and with a lot of things into her life that 
would inhibit that, and you know, so there there would be some police activity from time to time. <clears throat> and down here in Florida, I know that uh, their basic mantra with domestic situations is when they show up, somebody's going to jail. If they've got to come, somebody is going to jail because they hate coming to those things. And the best thing to thwart those domestic disputes is people going to jail. Oh, and I've, I had even heard them say one time, they said, point blank, either you're going to jail or you're both going to jail. <laughs> Period. <laughs> but with, with, uh, with situations now that had happened, I would have them say, Brian, I need you to come over and just to be an earshot so you can hear what we say to her. I'm like, okay. And they would say to her, if you call us one more time and have any claim against this man, we are taking you to jail. And I thought, wait a minute. Number one, when do the police call you a man? You know what I mean? Right. And when do they threaten somebody else with jail if they threaten you? And that was just kind of weird. Yeah. And and also on top of that, I you know I I do have friends that have done the authentication, and I've seen things in their life that have made me go, "Holy crap! I can't believe that happened." Where they weren't touched. But with me, it's kind of hard to put my finger on it because I did the authentication, I did the rescission of of voter status, which means I'm not part of their judicial society. Okay. I did right. the uh, resignation of agent for their uh, created entity. Uh, so I couldn't really put my finger on anyone. Thing is, I, I did a few things in a, within like six months. But um, I, the first time or two that I was pulled over and didn't receive a ticket, I kind of thought, wow, that's weird. Because I've never been pulled over in my life and never received a ticket. Either right. you end up getting a ticket or you go to jail. Something always happens. Right. But now I'm hitting, I've just about lost count. I know I'm over 15 different, um, I'm over 15 different experiences with law enforcement and zero tickets. And the interesting thing is that I started noticing that the last comment always made to me at the end of, of a traffic stop or maybe they wanted to search the car, da, 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 I they just wanted to, quote, unquote, talk to me, whatever. The last thing that has always been said is they say, Brian, we just want to make sure that you know that we are not filing anything on you. You don't have to go to court. Uh, there is no action being taken against you. Interesting. And anymore, when they say that, I, I like to start smiling because I know what the rest of their statement is going to be. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, why are you guys so worried? Why are you guys so worried that I may think that? You know? Yeah, that's interesting. Now, here, let me hear something, too. Now, um, I, I didn't do a resignation of agent. Um, 
I did get, I wrote to a particular address and got with the Freedom of Information Act, I think it was for the Defense Information Agency, uh, did a FOIA request with my Social Security number and name to find out if I was in their system. And their actual legal counsel wrote me back with a signed letter that says, we don't have any information on you, nor will we have any record of a private individual. Um, that can't, that's actually on one of the 42 action calls. Um, did you do that in, after the authentication? I think I did it before uh, or, or right after. I'm not sure. I, can't, I don't remember the timing exactly. I'd have to go back and look. But um, the thing is, is that it shows that you're not an employee. You're not a, Lou always talks about, you're not a withholding agent for the Internal Revenue Service. That's what it proves. Um, if they say, you know, if they refer to you as Mr., I think, something like that, they're uh, talking about uh, that you are a member of the merchant, you know, that you're a warrant officer and a withholding agent for the IRS. I, I actually sent a copy of that with uh, some of the correspondence to the IRS, and they called me one night. It was like 8 o'clock at night. And they were talking, and it was, that's 8 o'clock Central Time. So it, and they were from New York, so it was 9 o'clock their time. Kind of odd, you know, thinking. And their conversation, they said, you sent us some information. What is it? I said, it's a FOIA request. It's an extra response. So what do you want us to do with it? I said, make it part of my permanent file. There you go. Put it, put it in my IMF. Yeah. And also, the other thing that I did was I, I filed a revocation of election with them. Are you familiar, oh, okay. with, Are you familiar with the revocation of election? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, I followed a lot of what Weiss and Associates had talked about with that. Yeah, actually, I did that through Weiss and Associates. And um, I I did it actually probably prior to the uh, 20... For, uh, prior to the filing date for 2016. <laughs> so, but I did that, and, and so I haven't heard anything. I keep going to the mailbox, wondering if they're going to try to send me something. But Lou had some information about that as well. Um, one of the things that Wise talked about is uh, they can't help you if you filed, you know. But if you if if you had not filed, and they tried to give you some kind of presentment, then they were able to assist with one of their processes. But, so that was, that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I I haven't filed in a number of years, and I'm kind of surprised I haven't heard anything from them. Well, I think it's kind of interesting because uh, that thing that I filed was an affidavit of revocation of election, and it goes through and talks about the jurisdictional issues that they have, you know, and when you actually go and read Title 26, or when you go and read Title 42, with um, Title 42, actually, the Social Security Act is found in Title 42. But um, when you go and read their definitions, wow, it's like it's it's very crystal clear there uh, that there's no jurisdiction. So. 
Um, yeah, I, I just posted that in a group a couple of days ago. Uh, I think I posted the definitions and a video where a guy gave the definitions, and he was an ex-police officer. And the definitions, period, of employee is a federal employee. You work for the right. government. Absolutely true. And so it's like, wow. I mean, and it's very clear there. Uh, and then what do you, what's your position on zip code? On zip code? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll get into that in just a second. But I want to clarify something for anybody that's listening now or listens to the recording. Is that the revocation of election, people hear that and they think that has something to do with voting. It has nothing to do with voting. The word election, election means choice. So the revocation of election is a revocation of choice. And that means you are revoking your choice to participate, being a volunteer, in the IRS system. Right? Now, as far as uh, the zip code thing goes, um, actually what I'm doing is I, I've gone and registered with the uh, NAC, uh, the NAC code. Uh, people can go, you can go on Google, whatever your favorite search engine is, and put in NAC uh, address. And because what's happened in my viewpoint and belief with the U.S. is that they've gone and they've put an overlay, uh, a grid map, if you will, over the country. Okay, and that is the federal territories, and that's what the zip code was. The zip code is part of that federal overlay. Uh, zip stands for Zone Improvement Plan. Okay, which I, I think pulled everybody into federal even though you weren't uh, listed, your property wasn't listed constitutionally as being part of the federal government. And so some of the key things that I pay attention to and and have listened to when, because people are always sending me recordings of when they were in court or when other people were in court and stuff. And what I really pay attention to is what the judge says. And the, the judge will ask, well, where do you live? What, what's your address? You know, da-da-da. Do you have a bank account? Yeah, that's a biggie right there. That needs to be taken care of. Yeah, I can explain how to do that. But, yeah, that that's what that, my viewpoint is on the zip code. Got it. Okay. Oh, and, and let me add into that also. With using the NAC which is uh, natural area code, it's, what it does is it geographically figures out latitude, longitude, where you are, and it can pinpoint you within a couple feet, and it translates those codes and gives you your own code instead of a zip code. Right? And... A lot of if and if you research it more and more online, you'll find that a lot of corporations have gone to using the NAT code for their address rather than using the address of where they're at, whether they're in China, Japan, wherever. Because here's the thing: 
uh, I was talking to a lawyer the other day who was telling about having to fight down here on Florida for people that had problems with their um, Toyota cars. All their Toyota cars, I guess, um, the business is actually out of Japan, whatever, but that meant that he had to go through the Hague and file through the Hague to file complaints and things like that. Well, a lot of these companies have learned that when they use the NAC code, the NAC code isn't in the system of any of these countries because these countries are all just fictional corporate entities. So when they use the NAC code, there is no way for them to be contacted through service of process. Service of process are three words people should write down in research. Very important. Yeah, I saw the NAC code. I got that. I think it's one of the posts that you'd put out, or somebody had. So. Yeah, there's more and more people learning about it, and it, it's very powerful. And if you can go and remove your mailbox and remove the numbers from your house, and uh, go to Believe it or not, Federal Express. Federal Express has nothing to do with federal. It has nothing to do with the government. It's just a word, you know. Um, but it, it, Federal Express is somewhere federal and Federal Reserve. But uh, I, I believe uh, Federal Express, you can go there and you can get a uh, like a PO box, and Federal Express observes the NAT code and you can use a NAT code with them. Well, I like it. Yeah, and I've got my NAT code with them. I could tell you what it is, but I don't want to get a bunch of mail. <laughs> How do you address your envelope? Brian Parker, NAT code. Uh, Brian, Brian Parker, uh, NAT code, United States of America. I like it. <laughs> and I, you know what? No, listen to this. I have received mail from people in prison who use that for my address. Really? Yeah. The first time I received mail from somebody in prison that had used that address, I was like, <laughs> I was cracking up. I'm like, oh, my God, is this? Not freaking evidence or what? I love it. But talk to me about the bank account and how to clear that issue up. I mean, you. All right. All right. You're you're referring to what I had talked about earlier. Yes. All right. Bank account. Um, like I've said before, like I've said before, um. If you want to be an atheist, go ahead and be an atheist. They don't give a shit because they do believe in higher powers. They use higher powers against you. You don't realize it. And they prefer that you stay away from these higher powers because they don't want you to have those powers. And that is the premise I've pretty much followed. And 
you look at scripture and scripture tells you that the borrower is servant to the lender. Okay. Now, when you set up a bank account, the ordinary bank account is always set up the same way. It's just a standard freaking bank account. And when they set it up, it's like, okay, you're going to get X amount interest, da, da, da. The interest might be what, like okay, 1.2% or minus 1%. I, I don't know. It's At the end of the year, you get like what, $2.20 or something like that. So, but you're receiving something. You're benefiting. Um, so you're receiving a benefit. So since you're receiving a benefit, that means that you're a servant to them. All right? It, it's, it's all very scriptural. So what I did, and, you know, people that are in fear of um, getting their accounts tapped by the IRS or whatever case may be, I recommend going and setting up an account and having it set up as a non-interest-bearing account and setting it up under your DBA. And your DBA can be whatever you want. Um, My DBA, I use the name that my mother and father gave me. Okay. Now, for Florida, when I set up my DBA, Florida said, you cannot use your legal name for your DBA. I thought, oh, that's interesting. Well, let me just move forward with this and see what happens. So I filled out everything. And then I came down to the link where it says, what kind of a DBA is this? Are you an LLC? Are you incorporated with somebody? Da, da, da. And it said, or unincorporated. I thought, well, obviously, I'm unincorporated because I'm not going to tie me in with you. So I checked off unincorporated. And I and then it said, you know, I will hear back within four or five days. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I did that at like, I think it was 1030 at night. The next morning I woke up, 730, 8 o'clock in the morning I wake up, and I've got an email from the Secretary of State of the State of Florida. My, D, my DBA has been approved. Okay. I thought, okay, hold on. I thought they said that you can't do it in your legal name. Because I filed it with the legal name. But I was like, okay, so how did that happen? that they automatically approved it. I thought about it for about a week or two. And I said, you know what? Let me go back and look at it again. So I went back to look at um, the Secretary of State's site for DBAs. And I went and looked for my name. I couldn't find my name. It wasn't there. I'm like, that's weird. Where'd my DBA go? 
And then I saw that there was a uh, extra place you could look. And this other place where you could look <clears throat> was a place where also um, held marriage certificates, death certificates, and one other thing. There's four different things that were held. But there are things that deal with an actual man. So I went there and went to that part of it. And boom, there it was. There I am listed with a bunch of other people. I found that very, very interesting. That they actually had a link for fictional places and they had a link for, or not fictional places, but fictional entities and they had a place for real entities, real flesh and blood entities. Wow. Okay. I like it. And um, I, I, I printed off that application for the DBA and I, I took that to the bank that I was at, believe it or not, using Wells Fargo. And um said, yeah, I need to change my bank account over to non-interest-bearing. I'm putting in my DBAs. And I showed them a piece of paper, and the clerk was like, yeah, I don't know. He said, hold on. And he went to his boss, and he came back. He's like, wow. He said, my boss says people do this all the time. He says, I've never heard of it. Now, something interesting also. I don't know. Maybe maybe one thing I probably shouldn't talk about, but um, normally if I, I experimented with it, right? Uh, normally, if you write a check over the amount of what you have in the bank, uh, you get back this bounce check thing. You've been billed thirty bucks for it. Da, da, you can be taking a court over it. I've done this numerous times. And Wells Fargo sends me a letter back, with that little green card or thing, and it says, you know, this check was written for this amount. This is the amount that you had in your account. This is the amount that couldn't be covered. This is the amount that we charge you. I think Wells Fargo charges you 30 or $33, which is kind of a funny number. And... Then at the bottom, it, it says amount charged to account. It showed zero. And I, I can write fucking numerous checks well over the amount that's in the bank. The bank pays the freaking checks. And they don't bill me for any of it. But I do go back and put in the funding of uh, their little satanic notes to cover it for them. Yeah, I recommend anybody check out info from Tim Bentz regarding the Federal Reserve and these satanic notes. Um, go on YouTube. I made a little playlist. It's called The Real Creature of Jekyll. 
and go and listen to my playlist, and you'll look at those pieces of paper in a totally different way. Can you repeat that, Brian? Did you say Tim Betts? Tim Betts, B-E-N-C-E. But you can find it by just going into YouTube and putting in the real creature of Jekyll Island, Brian Parker, Tactical Sovereignty. Okay. And look at my playlist. I think I put it in a pretty good order to explain things to people. And he has a lot of other very seriously great spiritual truths that people should know for their life also. Never heard of them, but okay, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. I actually uh, own the book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's available. I think you can get it off Amazon. Yeah. Creature from Jekyll Island, that was, oh gosh, I can't remember his name now. It's a good book, but there's a backstory to it. What's the backstory? The the backstory is all right. So involved. Um, the Tim Benz when he went there, all right, he, he was told to go there. He didn't know why, so he called up and made a reservation for one night because it's kind of a tourist trap kind of place, all right? Especially for a lot of people like us, and. Um, when he arrived there, he said, yeah, I'm here for my room, da, da, da. He gave his name, and the girl said, okay, cool, and gave him the ticket. And he looked at it, and he says, hold on a minute. He said, you billed me for one night, but I'm reserved for two nights. And she said, yeah. She says, you know, I talk to my creator now and then, and sometimes I feel things, and... When you called, something told me to reserve your room for two nights. And so I did. And he said, okay, I'm not going to argue with you. (laughs) And he found that being there for two days was needed. Um, What he found there was that where the Federal Reserve was created at, a house had been put over it. And I'm just really glossing over stuff, okay? And um, the parlor in the house where they sat and developed the Federal Reserve at was built right over a altar, an Indian altar. And there were pictures provided as well that showed that they were using that altar to perform child sacrifice. And that goes back to Moloch. I talked about this earlier in the call tonight. And and the Israelites would offer their babies to Moloch. Moloch accepted child sacrifice. <coughs> so... Like I say, kind of think twice about that a little bit when you look at that U.S. dollar in your pocket, in your purse, or in your wallet. Yeah. I mean, it's 
like I said, you know, the more you discover, the more information you get, the more you realize, like, holy smokes, the whole system is set up uh, in, in a way to, you know, to lead folks astray and just, you know, uh, lead them away from, you know, saving grace or whatever. Or following a false god. Yeah. Uh, here's the other thing, too. Uh, Moloch, uh, was that the one that they also did self, uh, where they inflicted um, wounds upon themselves, you know? Yeah, I know. That gets, yeah, that gets into a whole... <laughs> Oh my God, that gets into a whole other direction of research and study, um, and that actually goes right back to the Catholic Church and to freaking oh, oh God, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of. I mean, when you go back and you read where all that stuff came from, it all links right together. Um, so, <laughs> and so, I mean, it's uh, it's eye opening and fascinating and just um, it, it blows me away when whenever I start across stuff like this. Yeah, uh, you know, there's so much freaking evil going on. I mean, it, even in my local community, there's some stuff that I've stumbled upon that uh, I don't want to say exactly what it is, but Um, when it goes into the child trafficking and the deep state and things like that, I, I was at a place where I found that an airport had redesigned the setup and put a new entrance in. Well, their old entrance went directly to an area where the NSA was operating at. And right next to there was a place called Love a Child. And their Love a Child symbol was that heart within a heart symbol, which is a child pedophilia symbol. And that, like, really shocked me when I saw it. And so I went to turn from there, and when I went to turn, looked both ways before I turned. I looked at the building behind it, and I'm like, oh, my God, I know what that building is. That's FBI. Because I'd been in that building. They don't have a sign out front saying FBI or anything. It's just a building with no sign. And I was like, holy... Oh, and just happenstance, in between those two buildings is a uh, restaurant called the Saucy Meatball. And I'm not going to get I'm not going to get into that. Well, you know, it's like um, one of the things, unless you're really paying attention, you know, and just kind of, I know that I was kind of busy back when all this came out, but John Podesta's email and Pizzagate, um, it all links right back into that. And it's just frightening how widespread it is. And uh, I, 
I don't know. You want to comment on that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, there was something I want to comment on. You had brought up earlier about um, sacrifice and things like that, and that is that. Um, whenever a being is killed, I can't remember the name of the endorphin or whatever that's released, but there's an endorphin that's released into the blood. All right. Yeah. And and so the drinking of blood and stuff is to consume that endorphin because it gives you a high and it gives you what you think is a spiritual strength or whatever, okay? And uh, a friend of mine, uh, Halo Marquise, well, and I, I think I might start becoming a second seller for some of Halo Marquise's products because I wear at least five, six, eight of them at a time. But Hale Marquise and I had this discussion. And I was looking at the situation that happens when they are doing this with, like, children, because they're easy subjects to deal with. And they put them in a state of terror. They terrorize them as much as possible, and then they're killed. And then they go and they drink the blood so that they can get that essence from them, all right? And the next day after I had this discussion with Halo, I, I was at the grocery store going to pick up stuff to take care of the next week or two, whatever, for the home. And I hit the meat counter, and I came to a dead stop. And I was like, oh, my God. I stopped and thought about it. Wait a minute. What was going through the mind of these animals when they were killed? Did these animals see other animals killed next to them? What kind of endorphins were pumped into them at the time? And this is what is pushed in America now. Is It's being pushed to uh, meat. You got to eat meat, uh, Burger King, McDonald's. <coughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And and United States is the enforcers for the International Monetary Fund, for the Federal Reserve around the world. <laughs> and we, lo- we, we love killing, you know. And what it does is it puts that endochrome in you that energizes you. I don't want the endochrome. I don't want that in me. You know, that's interesting. I hadn't really considered that aspect, but, uh, you know, I think you're on to something there. I've been dominating the conversation, Brian. Is there anybody else on the phone to talk? Yeah, I am, Brian, if I, if I may. You know, that's, um, I mean, it's not us that likes to kill. It's them that likes to kill. But, you know, since the beginning of time, if you look through history books, you know, and, uh, you know, all these wars, even beyond that, or, you know, farther back than that, 
mankind just has this thing for killing. And, you know, and at, third, at first I thought, well, maybe it's just something in, in male testosterone or something, you know. Um, and, and maybe it is to a degree, but, you know, I mean, I, I think you're hitting something, you know, a, a nail on the head there with what you're saying, too. It does make a lot of sense. You know, there is a, you know, it seems like the killing is just getting, you know, worse and more widespread. Um, but I, I think you're right. It, it probably is this this United States, you know, mentality that's just kind of out of control, Um you know, these governments that just want to control everybody else and, and the ideology behind that, it's it's crazy is what it is. But, um, you know, on the other hand, I see that there's um, something on YouTube where they were, you know, saying, well, what is what is wrong with, with men? You know, something about what's wrong with men. And it's saying that men, and it showed a bunch of, you know, clips from videos that a lot of men are becoming, and not saying that they're necessarily gay, though maybe a lot of them are, but they're being becoming effeminate, and whereas more females are becoming more aggressive. It's almost, it's like a role reversal. You're absolutely correct. You are totally correct. Um, there was a study put out uh, several weeks ago uh that what is it like 15 million people or 15 million men in America are addicted to video games and oh, what it's doing to what it's doing to them and what it's doing is that it's making them not interested in females and uh, they have uh it was talking about actually they have their own cliques within um, high schools and stuff where the clicks are composed of how you are scoring on your games and what games you are involved in. That's what it's all about. You know what? When I grew up, you know, in high school, even though I went to a Christian school, I mean, it was still kind of all about what chick you nailed. You know what I mean? And it, it's been taken away from that. It's, yeah, it's, not it's a, a big distraction. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jody. It's a huge distraction. And uh, what I see it as, okay, and this is a whole new rabbit hole, and what I talked about earlier in the cold night, I only gave ideas for rabbit holes for people to go look at, Okay wasn't to be all and end all. But this info regarding male, female, uh, this is regarding a separation of your mind. And they've wanted to separate people from who they are connected with, their creator, whoever, who their allegiance is to. And now it's actually becoming a separation of the mind where they're separating the male and female mind from each other. And mm-hmm. that's very I, yeah, dangerous. I see, I, I see it, Brian. And I, I don't know how you feel about this. I've had people tell me before that they thought that the, you know, that the earth is going to literally shift on its poles. But I was thinking one day and I thought, I don't know if it's that so much as it is just a shift in the ideologies of the minds of people in opposition of what it once was. And this is a perfect example. That's a great way of thinking about it. You're correct. 
I wanted to comment that you guys are talking about uh, some things. I actually lived in the Philippines for four months back in 2015. And I noticed some physiological changes when I was there versus here. Uh, the food supply in the Philippines is more natural. Um, they're really people that are, they don't have a lot of money, so they're not going to buy a lot of pesticides and spraying stuff on their fruits and vegetables. Uh, a lot of their stuff that they sell on the street is directly out of their stuff. And um, I wanted to comment that I noticed a physiological difference once I got back to the United States and started eating from our food supply. I honestly think there's something going on there as well. You guys mentioned about the psychological aspect, but I wanted to throw that out there and see if you guys, what, what you might think about that. I know Randy Shannon be all over that like stink on a monkey, but. <laughs> and, and and I think Randy is going to be on next week with us, so cool. uh, make sure and be here, Mark. I'll do that. Uh, who was the young lady that was talking? Um, that was Jody. Jody. I think, it was, Jody. I think it was Jody. Yeah, that's me, Brian. Yeah, Jerry. Uh, yeah, I just want to. You kind of mentioned something about you know about I guess from the the video gaming. Yeah, it does. It's like a uh, a very slow and meticulous process where it's well, you know, they've done studies and they talk about where it seems that um, technology is drawing us away from like a socialization aspect uh, where we're kind of almost loners. I used to joke with my kids. I said, you know, back in the day. We used to go down to McDonald's and actually talk to each other. Because <laughs> yeah. they'll, they'll sit across from each other and send text messages. Yeah. Uh, so, but uh, I think there's, uh, we're we're facing attacks from all kinds of different fronts. But uh, I thought I'd throw that out there. I think there's hey, a Brian. difference. In our... Yeah. This is Mike in Chattanooga. What's up, Mike? Hey, can I disagree with you for a little bit? No, you're not allowed to disagree. Sorry. <laughs> Next. <laughs> What's up, bro? Okay, before I disagree with you, let me agree with you first on some things, okay? One is, you know, these animals, how they mistreat them is just awful, okay? I don't think regular farmers do that. I think when you go to these, you know, corporations, they just don't give a darn. You know, and they treat us the same way. When you go to these corporations, they treat all of us terrible. You know, whether you're animals or people, it's just they don't have a conscience. And yeah, they'll take those poor little chickens in there and, and treat them mean, and the cows and stuff. I wouldn't do them that way. I'd be glad that they was willing to lay down their meat for me. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, you take the little sheep, they don't care. It seems like they're willing to come there and let you do it. You know, it's like, hey, I'm going to bless you with this real good meat right here, you know? And knowing that, I would raise them. I would give them the best water, the best food, you know, the the cream of the crop, you know? But these darn big corporations are just so mean. They'll feed them junk and everything. They don't care. Well, here's the, th here's the thing. 
they feed those animals junk, and then we eat the animals. Exactly. So junk in and junk out, right? Yeah. Well, they think we're animals too. That's that's why they don't care. I know. See, you take regular farmers. I mean, you know, where I live here in Tennessee, it's like they they just love these animals, and they're really good to them. You take horses, you know, they comb them and take care of them, you know, and put them in pastures with good food, and they do the same thing with the cows. If you got dogs, you feed them good. If you got kittens, little cats, you feed them. You know, everybody feeds them good around here. They're not trying to give them junk, but you go to the store, they're trying to feed everything junk, aren't they? And and when you go get the vegetables or fruits, they spray it with this bug poison poison that has estrogen on it that will make the guys think they're girls and the girls think they're guys. You know, like where I live at, you used to see frogs, you know, tote frogs and everything all the time when I was a little boy. I haven't seen any in 20 years. It's like the fluoride or something has killed them out, you know. And they did a test that... At Walmart, where they were frogs and stuff, they they got them and checked them, and they didn't know one sex from another, you know, because of the stuff that they're spraying around Walmart. Yeah, well, the Monsanto stuff, the Roundup, and I think all the chemtrails are what's doing that. They've been, they've been doing it for a long time. You mentioned horses. I just want to say something. They um, recently, in my area here in Michigan, they've just come out with this thing that I never heard of before that they're saying it's affecting horses and it's affecting their their blood I guess and it like infects their lymph nodes especially around their neck and so it strangles them and they're calling it strangles whatever this is they're saying it's it's like you know contagious infections or whatever but um, it's regulated it's okay, I get what you're saying. My brother had two prize-winning dogs, you know, and he would feed them this top-of-the-line kind of food, right? Well, they put some stuff in it. it this has been kind of like 10 years ago. I think they was running an experiment, and both of his dogs got tumors all over their body. He had to set them down, <laughs> you know, because they were that bad. And that kind of thing doesn't happen, you know? And, and so I think they run experiments through these animals from time to time and see what affects them so they can enter it into the food supply and they'll know what it does to us ahead of time. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I watch a lot of uh, YouTubes about the Nazis and, and stuff, you know, and I just started watching some of the Operation Paperclip, you know, today and stuff like that. But I know when... I know my my cat. They killed my cat. They they tortured my cat to death over a two year period, and um, the poor thing just finally died a horrible death. And and uh, but anyways, when I was at the vets, you know, I recall seeing another you know couple in there with their dog, and they were just distraught because their dog had gastrointestinal bleeding. And you know, I I didn't want to interfere because you know the doctor was talking to them, but. I felt so bad for them, and I said, I you know, said to myself, I bet I know why, and because I noticed with my cat's food, um, because you know my cat was really sick, and I was I was like running like an ICU on this cat for for weeks, literally a couple of months, you know, around the clock care. I was exhausted, but I love my cat, oh, and yeah. um, 
And uh, I literally had to feed him, you know, either by hand or by syringe, okay, and uh, in order for him to survive. And then even the quality of life was was just half of what it was after that. But um, but I noticed that by in buying um, <laughs> most most cat foods, and I'm talking, I I tried to use the wet food, the you know, the canned, <clears throat> because it was easier for him, and I think it was a you know a little more tastier than the dried stuff. But after he had gotten better, I tried the, some of the dried stuff as well and would mix it. But but so I would moisten the dry. So you know, but either way, I would take. I had to literally mash this food really fine to get it through a syringe. And I'm telling you, there was so many chunks of ground up bone that was so sharp. I'm like, if we would have eaten that, it wouldn't have went past our mouth. You know what I'm saying? That was Because it would just literally cut us to shreds. And I'm like, you know, this is probably, you know, why um, these animals, you know, intestines and such are are bleeding, why they're having gastrointestinal bleeding. So, you know, I guess it's because either either A, they're experimenting, (laughs) or, you know, B, they're they're just so cheap, you know, that they just can't bear to, you you know, not use every little, you know, piece of, you know, meat, bone, gristle, fat, whatever in in the food, you know, because they want to maximize their profits at, at, you know, any, ex, you know, at no loss to them. And, uh, you know, they don't care. Um, though I know that, you know, the marrow is probably not a bad thing, but, you know, bones, you know, they, they can splinter, they're sharp, you know, or I thought maybe it's the, um, maybe there's a contract between some, you um, uh, some of these veterinarians' offices, particularly particularly the ones that are certified to be like hospitals, okay? Because what I'm noticing is that these veterinarians there, I think it's called AHA or something, or I don't know, if I, I might be wrong on that, but there's certain like emergency 24-hour, you know, some of them are 24-hour care veterinarians where they literally will run, um, you know, surgical suites and everything for these animals and they treat them basically like with human care. So I'm wondering if it's experimentation on the animals, you know, with me- with medical care and I, and I think it's just another um, uh, potential revenue generator for another sector, sector or also maybe there's things that they are experimenting with, you know, with the animals with these kind of, you know, uh, what do you, I don't know, maybe they're scientists or whatever I don't know they're doctors but I just you know I just have to wonder because they literally will get a lot of the same medications that humans get you got to go to the human pharmacy to get it I'm not kidding you but um you know it also will like expand you know and drum up businesses for these doctors or who are veterinarians you know if you're running in there and um it's it's just really getting to the point where it's just ridiculous the compromise well, that they will yeah. do just to make a buck. Yeah, Jody, it, it's all an experiment. It, it, I mean, the uh, United States of America was referred to as the great experiment. Yeah. And every great experiment needs subjects. And so the so subjects are... Subjects? Right, yeah. yeah, the subjects are not only just us, but our animals, you know what I mean? And one of the things that I wanted to um, put in as well I mean, I wanted to wait on it, so this is a good time. Uh, is that uh, situation with Kennedy? 
okay? And you look at the different um, investigations put into the killing of uh, John F. Kennedy. Uh, one of them was the uh, Garrison Report, okay? And, and Garrison did a study on this. And there was actually, I believe, six different studies done on the killing of JFK. And one of the things that was found in the Garrison report was that they thought, okay, we want to know who Oswald was hanging out with. We want to find out information regarding maybe what he was talking about, da da. So let's go find his friends. So they they went to look to see where he was working at. He, he was working at a coffee house, okay, or a coffee ware shop. And so they, they went there to see who his workmates were. Well, his workmates were no longer there. They had quit. In fact, they they even went to say, okay, well, where's his boss? Who was his boss there? His boss um, had actually left, I think, two or three days after Kennedy was killed. Well, where did these guys go? Uh, so they went to see where these guys went. These guys all went to work for NASA. They went to work for NASA. Could have been a front. They so went they were, to work they for were probably Nazi, so we hit him in a training program, right? Mind control. They, they went to work for NASA and they went to work for SpaceX. Yeah. Hey, can we can, we can go? I want to go full circle what you just said, Brian. Okay. I can bring it right back there if that's okay when you get through. Okay. Go for it. Okay. Let me go back to what Jody was saying because she brought up some really good points and. Uh, I talked to a veterinarian about 30 days ago about cats. Did he ever see them that's diabetic? And he said he's heard that there have been diabetic cats, but he's never seen any. And Ralph Winterrose got one, a cat that's diabetic. And he takes it to the vet, and it costs him $800 every time he goes there. Now, figure that one out, okay? All right, I got a lady friend that's got three dogs. And she has insurance on them. And this insurance virtually pays for everything, but there is a small copay. And she said she couldn't afford to have these dogs, you know, they're small dogs, if she didn't have this insurance policy. So what's that telling you, okay? You know? And so it, it's like, no, go on. They're, they're, they're really experimenting on us. Now then, going back to what you were saying earlier about Adolf Hitler, you know that 10 years before World War II started, that the United States was funding them with Jeeps and everything. Was you aware of that, Brian? Get them ready oh. for World War II. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, you know what kind of Jeeps they got? I'll tell you who made them, and my cousin's got one of them. Ford Motor Company made a, a World War II Jeep that was a lot better, we'll say it was twice as good as the Willis Jeep. You know, the Willis Jeep had a three-speed transmission, usually a little four-cylinder. You could get a straight six, but it was usually a four-cylinder that would blow head gaskets all the time. And it was on, uh, you know, how the suspension on it was, uh, 
the straight kind, you know, leaf springs, right? Yep. Okay, and the Ford one had coil springs, long travel coil springs that was very good, and it was a lot wider Jeep, so it wouldn't turn over. It was a lot safer and everything. So they got this safe Jeep with a four-speed and real nice, because I rode in the one my cousin's got. You would think it's a new Jeep, kind of, by the way. It rode so well and operated so well as compared to the old Willis Jeep, which seemed like a piece of junk in comparison. Isn't that amazing? Okay, so what I'm saying is they funded Adolf Hitler, okay? The the Pentagon did. They did all that starting 10 years ahead of time, them in Russia, to put all this together. So it makes me think they wouldn't have done that if Adolf Hitler wasn't their man, right? Okay, well, look at, look at this. It's the same thing all over again. Look at what happened with the housing collapse and what happened with the collapse of industries and stuff, okay? I I use a uh, Crown Victoria, which is made by Ford. All police vehicles were Ford vehicles, all right? So I use a police interceptor. That's what I ride around in, okay? Now, you look around at the new police vehicles that are being used today, what are they? They're Chevys. Oh, gee, why is that? Go back and look at um, the funding for these corporations and what happened with them when the U.S. wanted to freaking take over some of these companies. You know, uh, Ford would not accept any grants from the U.S., but GM did. To me, GM is government motors now because they're using Chevy vehicles. You look at the new vehicles on the road, that's what's being used. Yeah. Yeah, they're using a lot of, yeah, Dodges up here. So, uh, hmm. that's, that's interesting yeah, that you're seeing that. Because I. Because uh, I was re I was re I was reading that um, Fords is actually um, are actually like you know uh, Nazi sympathizers. Yeah, then, Ford was, Fords were Nazi sympathizers, and I mean I uh, the dog track I work at down here in Ford. I mean, I, uh, it's part of that whole regime, the regime that that built the railroads and everything. I mean. Yeah, it's and one in the same. They're expanding they, they, their business currently in in China. Everybody else is coming home, but they're expanding there. Absolutely. What we're saying is this has always been crooked, okay? And these people that can create money out of thin air always finance everything. And you know, you find a family, a man with a couple children. And you don't tell him what's going on, and you just pay him to to run this to one part to another, and people don't have a clue to what's going on. Like in NASA, you know, it was gigantic in uh, Alabama because they moved all of them not guys very pretty much <laughs> during World War II and after World War II to Alabama. Was you aware of that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I you didn't know, know I thought they were in Florida. <laughs> yeah. So you see 
how that this has always been going on, okay? You know, and like in nineteen thirteen, the way they changed the court system and everything at that time. This thing has always been what it looks like to me is is just now demonic, okay? It just seems like it has always been that way, and it's not going to get any better, I don't think. So that's why we have to smarten up and see their rules, you know, and outsmart them. Oh, it's funny that you say demonic because the more and more I research, I find that this is all a spiritual war. And good Lord. Yeah, I, you I, know they didn't set this up to benefit us. It's to steal from us. Because if you look around, they're constantly stealing. You know, when World War One come out, the thing they were saying is, hey, we're going to fight at war to keep communism from being spread. And then World War Two. The reason why we're fighting it is we don't want communism to spread to America. And then the Vietnam War, we don't want communism to get here to America. Well, you know what communism is? That is taxing. And like in, in 1930, my grandmother had a thousand acres of land that she bought toward the end of the 30s because things were so going so great here in Tennessee, okay? You know, they want to talk about how how the stock market crashed all that it did not happen here in Tennessee because they wouldn't nobody owned any stocks here so they didn't that that we didn't even know that happened here right so it, it was booming for her and she bought a thousand acres of land and never paid any tax and then World War two comes up and then afterwards and they say to her hey we just need a penny if you'll just you know let us tax you for a penny you can help the war movement, you know, and everybody wanted to be patriotic because people didn't realize the con game. They thought that, you know, Pearl Harbor really got attacked, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? So my grandmother agrees to give the penny. Well, they're still taxing that thousand acres today. Okay. They haven't stopped. And I guarantee you they've moved it up to where it, it, they're not going to be able to pay it too much longer. And that's what they're hoping is that there becomes a time where they can't pay that communist tax, and and then state gets it right. Everything, if you'll notice how everything has changed since Ronald Reagan's time, that I mean, people don't have land nowadays like they did prior to 1980, and the the tax structure is set up to steal, boy, and that's what it's doing. No, you're totally you're totally correct because there was, there was no tax, and they said, "Oh, give us a little bit of money, help the war effort." But guess what? After the war effort ended, did they stop collecting the tax? No, they didn't. And so you're one hundred percent correct on that. And it's and that's what communism is, okay? And the very thing that they're saying they fought against is the very oh, thing you know they fought back during World War Two. You know what? And I've posted this before, and I wish people would go look it up, and that is go look up the definition of socialism. Go look up the definition of communism, and then look around you. Yep. Tell me, tell me what you see. Yeah, I was just doing that tonight. I came across a YouTube um um, it's called Prager University. I thought it was pretty interesting. They just had some little kind of like, you know, short kind of... Prager, Prager is awesome. I love Prager. Yeah, and 
Uh, yeah, I just saw it today for the first time, and then Dinesh D'Souza was on one of them, too. So I'm like, oh, this is really good. So, um, yeah, that's, that is really interesting. And uh, then also today I was thinking, you know, geez, you know, this stuff with Truman. And I thought, gosh, is, was Truman a Nazi? You know, and I didn't so far, well, I wasn't really done looking, but it, it revealed that he was a Freemason, a high up Freemason. You know, and that seems to be one of the common denominators is this Freemasonry. Does anybody know the origin of that? Well, here's, let me just explain that to you. Okay, if you've got a group of 100 Christians, I'm talking about hardcore, not these fake, you know, Christians that you've got around. I'm talking about real ones, okay? Real right. ones. Right. All right. How are you going to get them to go against one another? You can't. You have to keep secrecy. All right, so what you have to create is a brotherhood that pretends to be a Christian organization, okay? And you have them all swear an oath to keep the system going, and you call that Masons at the lower level, okay, and then Freemasons at the high level. You know, Billy Mason, Billy uh, Graham was a 33rd degree high level. Did you, wasn't hey, dude, dude, did you just say Billy Mason? I, that was a slip. That was a slip. <laughs> I said, no, but that's too funny. Thank you. That's what it's my. But you know what? But you know, are you Mark? Is that who you are? This is Mark. No, this is Mark. Yeah, um, well, the one that was just talking, um, that that my cousin told me that, and uh, she's in she's in the Eastern Star stuff. Her dad was a, a Freemason and a Shriner, Scottish Rites, and all that. They're from Tennessee, and yeah, that's it's hidden in the religions, and especially there in the South in the. Uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I grew up in the Baptist church, okay? When I was 12 years old, we went to Nashville, and that was the head of the Southern Baptist Convention yes, and everything there. And yep. I went there, and we were there, and I was 12 years old. And this building's real nice, okay? It was like five stories high in the center of it, like, and nothing there, you know, just glass up, you know, just real high like that, right? And so we were in that area, and I just asked them just a simple question. I don't know why I asked this, but I said, who owns this building? And they said, the Catholic Church. And so I didn't think nothing about it being 12 years old. But when you think about it now, it's like, man, the Catholic Church is running everything. Yeah, and I did hear that there was an I Well, I heard something with the, with the Catholic Church and the Freemasons, and I heard that the Freemasons... Uh, um, infiltrated the Catholic Church. I don't know if that's true or not, but you know, I just I don't know. I got to do more research and see if hey, I can find out. The only thing I'm going to say is history. You can't believe it. Okay, it, it's designed so you can't figure it out. See, they'll say one thing to the left and then one thing to the right, so you can't ever figure it out. So well, you got to remember both history sides and try to try to put it together. But you know, the usual theme is that everything they say or do is, you know, opposite of what reality is. Or disinformation. See, they put out a, a, a buco lot of disinformation purposely to keep things, just the boat rocking all the time. You can't figure out what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. Well, like I said, just try to think in terms of, you know, um, opposition because, I mean, it seems like everything, you know, this whole 
experiences just run on a duality and um you know just just like um I told some friends of mine recently and you know I don't know if you ever heard of the motu proprio it's it's like a bull or a decree that the pope you know occasionally will put out and and there was you know a few of them that were put out you know where it said you know that the uh, the the uh bar associ- the pope decreed that the bar association was supposed to be abolished within a three year period of time well that time's come and gone yeah and like like the tax after world war two but right. and nothing, let me and let me bring been, something out right here. Did you ever see that show? It came out ten years ago on A and E, and it was called American Chopper. Did you ever see that show? Um, you know, I heard of it, but I never watched it. <laughs> okay, Brian, did you, ever, did you ever see American Chopper? It was real big back ten. Started like fifteen or twenty years ago on A and E, where uh, this dad who seemed like an ex-marine and had a son they was always fighting at each other and they was building these world famous choppers like hundred thousand dollar motorcycles you know harley davidson's did you ever see it yeah i bet you have seen it before okay well that show is nothing but a script okay and it it was designed from start to finish just to have them fussing and fighting and train everybody that uh, you know, you use the motorcycle as as the way to get into people's uh, TV set, you know, and into the, the home to watch that, you know, because there's a fascination with motorcycles, choppers, and fast motorcycles, fast, all of that. You know, there is. And, and so, you know, I turned into it, but I couldn't watch it because it was nonstop fussing and fighting. I can't stand none of those shows like that. And they love to put those on all these guy programs, okay? They want that they want to train people nonstop to fuss and fight, okay? So the show stays on for ten years and rated tops, okay? So it's been off five years and they just brought it back. And now it's come back and they're on there talking about we used to have this real bad problem fussing and fighting, but we got on these antidepressants and everything, and it has made our life normal. They, it's like oh no, well that's one of the big things they're pushing. Is, yeah, I, I wonder, you know, why they's gonna bring them back. I said, are they gonna bring them back this time? They won't be fussing and fighting, or will they still be fussing and fighting? And I found out what the agenda is. It's hey, if you're fussing and fighting, honey. You just need to go get on Prozac and stuff, and you'll be good as new. You know, that kind of joke. Yeah, so yeah. That. That, that's something that they are really, really, really pushing across the board is, is the whole mental health issue. You know, yeah. it's it's big with the gun control. It's big in the probate well, court. That, hey, they're that's they're the using thing. it for identity theft. You know, they're making buku bucks. You know, off it. actually, I just read an article t- today about Michigan here, and and I'll tell you what, it's it's one of the biggest um, agendas on our state on our state's website is this uh, mental and behavioral health stuff. Um, huge amounts of their budget. Um, how did, exactly did it go? They're they're going to be spending. I forget how it goes. There's a bud- budget. They're collecting all this money, millions of dollars, and so many millions of it are going to the, to expand mental health. 
it's just the biggest push right now. But I'm telling you, for anybody, you know, that, you know, listen, people need to know this. Tell everybody you know. There's a good website, and it's called cchr.org. It's Citizens Commission for Human Rights. And uh, I did my research on it. I do think it's a front organization, but I also know that, and I think they do it for some research, to be honest with you, but I do know that if you know anybody that gets put into a psychiatric ward, that if you contact them, they will get you out within usually three days. You know, and this is the big thing. Um, it was also uh, the co-founder um, is, one of the guys, he he was from Austria, I think it was Austria, Dr. Sass, it is Aster Sass, but he was one of the co-founders, and I think the other co-founder is, um, oh, the founder uh, L. Ron, L. Ron Hubbard um, from Scientology, and which is the reason why I guess Scientologists and Tom Cruise in particular, you know, is all about the you know, antidepressants, you know, he's anti-antidepressants and stuff like that, you know, that big thing with Brooke Shields several years back. But um, but ser seriously, though, that is the big push. And, you know, keep keep this in mind because they do have a lot of really, really good YouTubes, and you can go to their website and, and check it out because, you know, this is what they're doing to people. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.